Hello and welcome to episode 29 of season 2 of the Two Hands on the Hurl podcast. I'm your host this week, TJ Mills, and I'm joined by the Instagram guru and legend, Robbie Mansfield. How's things, Robbie? Yeah, I'm good, TJ. How's all with you, man? Uh, good, thanks. Did you enjoy the sunny weather during the week? Yeah, it was really nice. Uh, our own little heat wave, you know, so um, yeah, it's really good. Uh, got out in it as much as I could, uh, trying to soak up all them rays. Uh Safely as a ginger, you know, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think everyone's going around with a farmer's tan this week. Uh, I know I have one, I got absolutely roasted, but uh, yeah, I think farmer's tan rocks actually. Yeah, sexy, (laughs) it's like a cork flag, red and white. Yeah, uh, we crack on, and it was a busy weekend of GA action, there were hurling. Uh, qualifier matches yesterday and then finals and also semi-finals in uh, hurling as well across the Chrissy Ring, Nicky Rackard and Lowry Marr as well. Uh, Watford got got their season back on track, uh, Robbie, over Galway, one thirty three twenty. But Watford were an awful lot more comfortable in the game for long stages than the scoreline reflects. Yeah, they were very comfortable in the first half. They built up a massive lead against Galway. Um, and you have to be, you know, thinking about Galway and how they're doing. And, you know, is it a fair reflection on, like, how, how well Waterford are playing? Were they playing against a team that are kind of maybe in a bit of disarray? Um, but, yeah, like, Waterford can only play what's in front of them to a certain degree. And they built up a good lead. And, you know, probably the scoreline flattered Galway in the end when they kind of, they came back into it and got a few late goals. Is the is the argument going around, Robbie, that there's kind of a serious disconnect within hurling? Because if you look at it, the past two years, just to take example, the Leash Hurlers, they ran Clare very close last year after losing badly in the provincial mm-hmm. system. And Clare went on then to have a massive win over Wexford. And if you look at it, the same stage this year, Watford... You could say got the rub of the green against Leash uh, last weekend and then went out and put on a massive performance. Is the gap really as substantial as people were making out this year and, uh, sorry, last year and this year? Yeah, I definitely think Leash are a team, a team that on their day can, you know, play above and beyond themselves. If you get me, they bet Dublin a couple yeah. of years ago and. You know, they played in the relegation playoff against Westmead uh, last night as well. And like they're definitely a common team in the world of hurling. Um, uh, so if they can kind of keep that momentum going, it would be great. Um, I think the gap, you know, like probably the gap between the top, because with like the strength and conditioning and nutrition and sports science is going into a lot of these, uh, what you would call weaker counties. I think definitely the gap is narrowing. Um, but you see maybe with, when they play a lot of games, then the kind of um, the the better teams will outperform them. If you know what I mean. Yeah. When, when the games come thick and fast, that's when the smaller counties have a bit more of an issue. Whereas the bigger counties can sustain playing more games more often. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I know that's a very valid point. I was just about to say, even though you have say an emerging team, the likes of Leash or Westmead, can put it up. They they are substantially out of the running when it comes to an All Ireland. So yeah, I know that's a very valid point, Robbie. Uh, before we move on to that uh, league relegation battle last night, uh, Clare 
came up short against Cork, uh, 123 to 319, and Cork finished with 13 players in that game. Could Cork be a real dark horse this year? Yeah, well, they're, they're getting a lot of goals, uh, as we talked about during the league uh, campaign as well. Like, they are kind of a common team, but you imagine against like a like a smarter, bigger, stronger outfit, outfit like Limerick, because um, Limerick played them already and, and bet them well. So imagine when they come up against them, that like the kind of the tactics that Cork are are, are employing aren't going to work as well. Um, yeah, you know, but it, it all depends on how the draw works because Waterford and Cork are going to play uh, Tipper Dublin, and I don't think any of those four teams will feel that they can't beat any of the other teams, if you get me. They'll all feel that yeah. they can, you know. And then, you know, no disrespect to uh, Kilkenny, but you imagine out of Limerick and, Kilke- and Kilkenny that whoever wins the semi, the quarterfinal games will be hoping to get Kilkenny as opposed to Limerick, if you know what I mean. So, you know, very easily. And Cork against Kilkenny would be a great game as well. So you imagine if Cork got got in against Kilkenny, they'd fancy themselves getting into an All-Ireland final and, you know, not to dismiss Kilkenny or anything like that, but they would fancy themselves obviously more than against Limerick and then an All-Ireland final, anything could happen then, you know. Yeah, I oh, know, definitely. And, um, yeah, I'd be biased, I won't lie to you, could say the way Kilkenny caught Limerick last year, but, or, sorry, two years ago, but the thing about it is, this seems to be a real different Kilkenny team. They seem to be just based on heart, endeavour and work rate. Now, that's the the standard that Brian Cody always set, but they don't, other, say, other than, say, TJ Reid and, say, Hugh Lawler full-back and all of that, everyone seems to be on an equal level, if that makes sense. It, it, it doesn't, um, with Kilkenny, and I know I'm gone off topic here, but... Kilkenny seem to be in a different place. They have a young, kind of strong team being built by Brian Cody, and I'm I'm really delighted to be eating me words because I was wondering was it the right decision, but I mean so far Kilkenny. So even though Limerick could be the red hot favourites, as you say, Tipperary could win it, Cork could win it, Kilkenny. So it's kind of wide open still. Yeah, definitely. I didn't mean to like. Oh no, 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 oh no, no, definitely. Oh no, no, I understand. Oh no, Jesus, and I didn't mean that at all. I understand completely where what you meant, definitely. Yeah, I, I was just like saying that Limerick are so strong that, well, I was just saying that, like, you imagine everyone would want to avoid Limerick and that all the other teams that are left will fancy, you know, that they can beat anyone that's left, you know, and in Dublin, yeah. you regard as being the, if you were to rank all the teams in order, Dublin will come up at the bottom every time, you know. Uh, but Dublin won't be afraid of anyone either, you know the way. So, um, yeah, Cork have a great chance, but you know, any of the teams left in the quarterfinal, um, you know, they can make it to a semi-final, and then in the semi-final, big day in Crow Park, you never know what can happen, you know. Oh yeah, I know definitely. And sorry, I didn't mean to. I oh, didn't take anything. I understood. <laughs> still completely. I'm taking some personal, man. <laughs> I oh, know I never take anything personal far from it. Uh, before we get into a massive row, anyway, Robbie. <laughs> I know I'm only joking. Uh, yeah, we mentioned Leash and Westmead last night. Leash won twenty seven over Westmead's twenty seven points, so Leash regained their Division One B status for next season, and Westmead go back down to Division Two A. Um, 
first thing popped into my head, Robbie, when I was watching that game, and as listeners would know already, I have Leash connections, and I would have fan- uh, hoping Leash would win that. But aren't they a serious disincentive? We're on about emerging counties, and the gap seems to be narrowing. You have Westmead won the Joe McDonough Cup in ter- terrific style last weekend over Kerry. So they're going to be in the Liam McCarthy. But as a result of last night, they're going to be down Division 2A or 2B, maybe, I think, 2B next year. Is that a big disincentive? I mean, how are are teams going to improve? Like, the reason why I'd have a concern is you're operating at a lower division, and that's no disrespect to the teams there, but everyone that says the speed and everything when it comes to championship teams can be cut out. Should the GA introduce something that if you win a major trophy the likes of Joe McDonough, you shouldn't be relegated down in the league for the following year? Or is is that going beyond, say, on sporting? Um, yeah, I know. If they were to maybe restructure the league, I think, uh, you know, I suppose in non-COVID times, they had, uh, they were kind of trying out like a two-division one sort of thing where you had a mix of kind of strong and weaker counties, which I think, and then you had finals, you know, and relegation and stuff at the end of it, which I thought was a fair enough uh, system. But definitely for Westmead next year, you know, they're in the Lee McCarthy, but they're not in division one. So they're not going to be, they're not going to be playing teams of a really high standard to get battle ready for, you know, playing in the in the early rounds of the Leinster Championship. So, you know, it's great that they won the John McDonough, but in a way, they're going to come into the uh, the Leinster Championship a bit cold because they'll only have been playing um, the kind of the weaker counties, if you get me like that. And uh, yeah. yeah, so and I think that even though even though Westmead took a lot of hiding this year in Division One. Um, that they have grown a lot from it, and they they look they played really well against Kerry obviously last week, and they put up a really great game against uh, Leash until they got a man sent off, and it kind of seemed like that took a lot out of them, took a lot of the wind out of their sails, and and Leash uh, came back into it very strong. Um, so I think even though they did play get a lot of hammerings, they did come on a lot in Division One. Yeah, I know definitely, and yeah, to be fair, watching the game. Westmeat Westmeat would feel really I won't say hard done by because sending off happens and all that but I mean they had the greatest possession of say play and all that for long stages and but still um, like I was saying I'm happy Leash came through there and an announcement happened last night after that game that Leash stalwart Matthew Whelan announced his retirement as well and pay tribute to me was a great hurler uh, for Leash over the years as well and just on about just in balance of fairness as well when we're on about Westmeat going down to Division 2 next year I'm not sure if to be in 2A or 2B but I mean we, we had the same discussion with Antrim being relegated as well back down to the Joe McDonough so maybe it's something the GA can look um into um, on about the lower tier competitions, Christy Rink up, um, Derry defeated Sligo 28 points to 2.17 and Offaly had a big win over Wicklow 6.30 to 11 points. That could be an example, Robbie, it'd be Offaly and Derry in the Christy Rink Cup final, but it could be a thing that maybe going down isn't that at all that bad because Offaly were in a bad place, but Michael Finley is second year in charge seems to have awfully really motoring well. 
yeah, and and hopefully you know Offaly can come back up to Lee McCarthy level. Um, but yeah, like you see that with sometimes with you know in in different sports that teams have to almost get relegated down a few divisions before they can kind of find their level and build back better. You know, um, and like at a certain stage, maybe relegation is needed for a team because maybe hanging on in a division isn't actually bringing them on because, you know, although we're saying about West Mead getting hammered in a lot of games, if they were getting har- hammered year after year after year in the league, you know, that wouldn't do them any good either, you know the way? But um, no, it's just, like, it just, the lack of division one doesn't prepare them for the the Lee McCarthy, which is what I was saying. But, um, yeah, definitely, hopefully, you know, no bias against Derry or Offaly, but It'd be great to have them coming back up and into the John McDonough. They'd be really competitive teams. Offaly seem to be motoring well and they got racked up a huge score against Wicklow. So, yeah, I think we'd all like to see Offaly hurling back up to Lee McCarthy because uh, that's what the county does deserve. And I think there is kind of green shoots in Offaly. I know the, at underage level and under 20, I don't know it's football, but the under 20s bet Dublin in, in the Leinster Championship. So I think GA is coming back in awfully slowly but surely and hopefully they're back uh, up to being a strong county in, in years to come yeah i know i was just about to mention under 20 and yeah they i mean they were they were outstanding in that and to be fair great credit hopefully when i was involved with the camogie team up there the facilities they have available is outstanding the faithful fields is just immense so you can see really see the fruition of all the facilities coming in and all the hard work of um, the mentors and that up there as well and uh, the county board as well. Uh, just before we move on, the Nicky Rackard Cup sees Tyrone taking on Mayo. Mayo defeated Armagh 223-29 and Tyrone defeated Donegal 224-121 and in the Lowry Mar, it's Fermanagh against Cavan and it's great seeing Cavan getting to that final. Fermanagh defeated Longford 121-112 and Cavan defeated Loud 121 to 20 points. And the reason why I'm highlighting Cavan there is it's only a few years ago that Cavan re-entered uh, a hurling team. Um, I think maybe less than a decade or just around a decade. So it's great seeing Cavan making progress there. Um, moving on to the, today, it was the Connacht Senior Football Championship final and the Munster Championship final as well. And it's kind of a story of two halves in those games, especially in the Galway Mayo game in the Connacht final. Robbie um, Mayo emerged victorious two fourteen to two eight, but Galway had a good lead in that game at half time by five points. Um, could Mayo be maybe we say it every year, but could they be maybe could this be their year that they break the hoodoo? Yeah, definitely could. You think that Dublin aren't playing as well uh, as they have been and they've had a lot of retirements and lads not in the squad and stuff. So definitely, you know, because not to, not to say that Dublin are going to beat Kildare, but you imagine that Mayo would fancy themselves to beat Kildare and to have a good go at this Dublin team, you know. And, you know, and I know I like to talk a lot of slagging about Mayo because, you know, from Dublin and there's a bit of rivalry there. Um yeah, but talk a little bit of smack about Mayo. But in fairness, if Mayo got into a final, you know, I would be full, full-blooded wanting them to win. And part of the reason why I kind of do slack Mayo so much is because I have supported them so many times when they have got to an All-Ireland final and they have been playing Dublin and they've just 
just bottled it and stuff, you know. Um, and you know, possibly, you know, without Killian O'Connor there, that could like that could be a, a situation. You know, sometimes that happens where the best player, you know, goes down and other lads step up and perform outperform themselves. You know, that so that could happen. Um, you have to really ask though, what's the future for uh, Porig Joyce now? He's kind of I know it's a kind of a, it's a tough it's a tough situation. Uh, you know, if you're in Connacht, you don't get many games, and you could be playing. You know, if you play like two or three games, you're probably be playing Mayo and you know one or two of them over the course of a couple of years. You know, so and it's there's no backdoor, so it's kind of maybe hard to judge poor Joyce, but he could be under pressure now after uh, the way they came out in the second half, and they just you know Mayo just dominated them and outworked them, and they really rose to the occasion in the second half. So. Probably question marks for poor Joyce's future there. Yeah, no, I I tend to agree with you. And one question just before we move on to the Munster, I don't want to drag off on another tangent, which I tend to do. But do they seem to be maybe unreal expectation at times? I mean, Galway had great success under John O'Mahony, John O'Mahony in 98 and I think 2001, if my memory serves me right. So yeah. is it a situation that when you're from counties like that, now I know it stops it in Mayo that they, they didn't win since the, the 50s or around that, but can they be kind of unfair expectation with managers and teams, especially former greats like Parik Joyce, a, a two-time All-Earned winner, that maybe he does deserve a bit more time that they shouldn't be pressure on his reign? Now, we're not saying they are, but they could possibly... Yeah, I think like when you, you have uh, a former player that comes in that was so great, you know, the expectations are massive, you know, um, and just kind of comes with the territory to a certain degree, you know, when, like, you know, you could argue that when, say, Jim Gavin came into Dublin, there wasn't a, there wasn't a huge expectation on him other than the fact that Dublin had won uh, an All-Ireland in 2011 because um, he wasn't yeah. the best player you know, in that 95 Dublin team, he won an All-Ireland, but he was a workhorse and he was a guy who kind of assisted the play. Whereas Porrig Joyce um, was a marquee forward and he played for the Irish team and the international rules. And, you know, I think with with great players like that, there's a level of expectation. Uh, and maybe it's a bit unfair because management is a, is a completely different different uh, official to get me. But um, there's that, I think with players that are so dominant like that, there's always going to be that expectation. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's unfair, but um, maybe fans do need to adjust their thoughts that a great player doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a fantastic manager. You know, there's very few like Zidane's who were great players and brilliant managers as well. Yeah, I know a very valid point, Robbie. And um, yeah, I know it's just when you mentioned about Jim Gavin there as well. They, they, I think when we're Pat Gilroy Windall Ireland the time, it kind of, yeah, it kind of, but it, it kind of took the pressure away. But if you compare it, say, to the early 2000s with Tommy Lyons and, um, oh, sorry, is it Tommy Carr? I, Tommy Carr. Tommy Carr, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they seem to be a bit more expectations there because Dublin didn't win since 95. So, but it's a very valid point you made. And um, we move on anyway to the Munster final. And Cork made some start to that game. And it looked like it could be maybe not Kerry's day again like last year. But, I mean, 
other than Dublin, can anyone stop this Kerry team? I mean, if Dublin have a bad day, could it be Kerry's year? Or is it a situation that it could possibly be Kerry's year altogether? Yeah, it could be. It could, I would like. They're definitely my favourites anyway. Um, I think, though, maybe the sight of... I know they hammered Toronto in the league, in the league, but the sight of Toronto jerseys in Crow Park in semi-final of a championship might just <laughs> yeah. might just bring up horrible memories for Kerry. Um, you know, and I think that could happen. Like you know, uh, Monaghan or or uh, Tyrone could beat Kerry in a semi-final. Um, yeah, I think anyone anyone will fancy their chances again against anyone really. But uh, I think definitely disappointed with Cork. And I think the good weather probably didn't play into their, their hands because last year it was lashing rain. It was a horrible evening. Yeah. Uh, they played the match and that was a great leveller. Um, and as well in that game, they got everyone behind the ball. And one thing that they did today that they didn't do the last day was they took they took shots in positions that weren't good shot, good shooting positions. You know, Whereas in, yeah. the, in the game that they beat Kerry in, they would rather hold on to the ball for an extra minute and work an easier shot, even though it was, and it was frustrating Kerry, but today they didn't do that. They were shooting, you know, maybe buoyed by getting the early scores and, and that sort of thing. Um, but they were shooting from, you know, not ridiculous angles, but kind of maybe only with a 33% chance of scoring rather than like maybe a 70% chance of scoring, if you get me. So I think that was quite poor. And when they, when they went ahead against Kerry, after the first water break, they just seemed like they were like, oh, it was almost like their game plan was to hang in there against Kerry and then they were leading and I was like, oh, what do we do now sort of a thing. Um, and they almost kind of backed off Kerry and let Kerry come on to them. And to give Kerry their, their credit, the off-the-ball movement and was amazing. So the work rate uh, of players getting into the right position was just phenomenal. And also... You have to hand it to Kerry. Their skill level is just next level. You know, guys, they solo very comfortably both feet and they can shoot off both sides and hand passing. And, you know, it's it's Gaelic football the way it should be played. And, you know, if they do win the All-Ireland and they're playing that style, it's brilliant for Gaelic football and it will inspire a lot of people to play it. So, um, although I won't be happy with that as a Dublin fan, though. But <laughs> if, they, if they win, they'll be playing, you know, kind of total football, which would be good for football, you know. Yeah, I forgot to give the score that game for twenty two to one nine carried feet of Cork. Um I agree completely with your points. Just one uh question I'd have for you before we move on, Robbie, is um when Kerry Kerry ran through the league, you could say, without any hindrance, and then they played Dublin in Turles. And it was kind of one of their poorest games and they actually had to come back to draw it, um, I think. Yeah, they had to come back yeah. to all that game. Could that be maybe Kerry Zachley's heel? Even though they're after run through the year, you could say completely nearly undefeated. Could that be their Achilles heel that they haven't been properly tested? Because to do maybe Pat Spillane on it and look at the league, uh, which Pat does, Cork were in Division 2 of the league this year and they are a completely different standard. If you look at some of the Division 2 teams, they have shipped heavy beatings this year. Could Kerry be caught short? Uh, well, I think in the game against Dublin, that was a good test for them. And as a Dublin fan, it's actually the first half against Kerry was actually making me the most optimistic, if you get me. 
um, yeah. because they haven't really played too well outside of that first half against Kerry. So as a Dublin fan, I'm hoping that Dublin uh, turns up um, against Kildare the next day. And if they get another opportunity, that they, they keep performing at that level. And not that they let Kerry back into, but Kerry charged back into it and they really took the game by the scruff of the neck and they deserve the draw on the day. Um, but I think that was a big test for them. Um, like in Munster, they haven't really been tested at all. They're just they're just too awesome. Um, so you'd wonder, like, is that going to be a situation that could come back to haunt them? You know, like sometimes it happens to teams, they don't get tested in the provincial series and then they go a bit cold into you know, the red hot heat of a uh, semi-final uh, and Monaghan or Tyrone will bring the heat. That's no doubt, you know. So, yeah, I don't think Kerry are un- unbeatable. They're definitely my favourites, though. Um, but I think it's it, even Kildare. Kildare, if they beat Dublin, they'll fancy their chances against Mayo and anyone who comes out of uh, the, Mun- the Munster Ulster side of the draw as well. Yeah, I know. I, I agree completely. And just one thing before we move on. Could the Stephen Cluxon factor play a part or is that put to bed now? Uh, you know, it definitely could. Uh, and any mistake that Evan Cover- Comerford makes will be highlighted and be like, oh, if Stephen, Stephen Cluxon was there. You know, I think Evan, Evan Comerford uh, is, a gr- is a good player, you know, uh, and would be a good uh, step in for Cluxon. I'd be concerned watching Mayo today that they put up, you know, a really good press on Galway, um, and as well Kerry did the same. And I was just thinking when I was when I was watching that, I was like, right, this is going to be the real test for Evan Comerford if Dublin make it that far. Will how will his kickouts go when he has all of Kerry or all of Mayo or all of Tyrone pressing his kickout and putting him under a lot of pressure? That will be the real. Like you won't you won't know how good he is until, you know, he gets to that moment and he'll either grow into it like Cluxon did or it might be too much for him, which, you know, it would be too much for a lot of people, to be fair. Yeah, I don't want to take much further, but I have to ask you this. Is it unfair on Evan Comfort to have all this coming about that? I mean, <clears> he's <throat> after being around all the league. He's after having good performances. I mean, you can't blame him for... Dublin being maybe slightly off of the high targets they set in previous years. Is it unfair that maybe it's a situation that Desi Farrell, I know Stephen Cluxon deserves the time and the respect. He was a great player and he owes Dublin nothing and owes the GA nothing. But should it be put to bed now to give the likes of Evan Comerford a proper chance, especially you fancy him to get over Kildare, so you're talking an all earned semi-final final. Should it be put to bed? Uh, yeah, I think it's more or less been put to bed for this season. Like he's not going to be back. Yeah. Like if he comes back into the squad, I don't think he should play. Yeah. Let's be honest with you, because you know, as you're saying, Evan Comerford has been there all year. He's done a good job, and you know, strolling back into the the team at you know our Ireland semi final stage is not a good. I don't think that would go down well with the squad. I know, like obviously he's got massive respect in that team, Mike, but. I don't think that's fair um, to happen at in your county level, you know. Um, and like the thing is with Evan Comfort, like he's following the greatest goalkeeper of all time, yeah. you know. So <laughs> that's pressure anyway, you know. The way so even when he's in training, like when Cluxon is there, he's thinking right. 
how am I going to try and get into the squad ahead of this guy? So he's been completing with Cluxon's legacy for a long time anyway, you know. So yeah, I, I hope he does the best the best he can and that he doesn't make any major blunders uh, and get blamed and it's blown up out of proportion because of the situation if you get me. Yeah, I know, definitely. And before I dig any further, Robbie, I think we move on, but fair play. Right. <laughs> it's not just, easy. Just when... before... Oh, sorry. Sorry, yeah. just before we move on from the GA, just saying well done to Joe Canning. He's the top scorer of all time in the championship. And to Patrick Horgan as well. I think he's the top scorer uh, from play in the championship of all time as well. So fair play to the two of them. Yeah, I know, definitely, and fair play. I mean, Joe Canning's, after being an outstanding player for Galway and still is, it's a pity um, he won't be adding to it this year, but, I mean, he definitely owes the Maroon jersey not, and to every top scorer as well is a great testament to, I mean, he's after actually setting the, the standard with the sideline pucks because where it was just Joe for a while, you can see others trying to match him now, which is only terrific for the spectators. And yeah, fair play to Joe Canning there. Uh, we will have Camogie uh, scores later on. and But before that, uh, we move to the top picks, Robbie. And I give you a first choice or first chance this week. Uh, yeah, so my first pick of this week um, <laughs> is maybe indulging my, my boyhood, my childhood for a little bit, is new series on Netflix, which is Masters of the Universe, which is, um, for those of a certain age will know, is uh, He-Man. Uh, <laughs> so it's a cartoon. Um, it's a cartoon that's just gone on to Netflix, and it's all about... Um, he-Man and the Masters of the Universe, and I just said I'd check it out, and, you know, episode one was off the hook, so I'm definitely hooked on it. <laughs> I'm going to try and watch some more of it. Uh, were you a fan of uh, He-Man when you were a kid? I was just going to actually ask it, was he the one with kind of the yellow costume? Or am I mixing Well, he didn't really completely. have much of a costume now. He was kind of... Uh... Oh, sorry, he was kind of like the gladiator, is it? The kind of, yeah, of blonde the hair and... Yeah, yeah. I won't lie to you. I mustn't have been a big fan when I couldn't really remember him. So, sorry. Yeah, it's all Skeletor. You know Skeletor, that guy? It's okay. The name rings a bell now. The name rings a bell, but you know me. I'm terrible. Like, James Bond Jr., Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, Rugrats, the likes of those I can remember completely. I heard of it and I kind of have a vision of it, but I mustn't have been a big fan at all. Actually, sorry for dragging off on another tangent. Do you ever remember a program called Speed Racer? Uh, it does sound familiar. It does sound familiar, not going to lie. That's um, an old cartoon. I got like when I was a kid, I only had like two channels. So, you know, <laughs> if it was on them, I probably watched it. Yeah, I, I remember it's, it seems like yesterday I had a video. It was a film of it. it. I think it was back from the 60s, but it was actually, it's so hippie kind of show. But uh, yeah, sorry, I'm gone off on a tangent there. I let you go on <laughs> with your second pick. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, yes, yeah, so my second pick is another, another YouTuber. It's Pat McAfee. Uh, so he's a former NFL punter, I think, with the Pittsburgh Steelers um, or someone else. I think he was with someone else as well. Um, but he's 
he has his own YouTube show and he talks about uh, American sports and yeah, it's kind of like not overly serious show. They kind of have a bit of a laugh and a bit of a joke and stuff like that. And he's good guests on and, you know, talking about kind of topical issues in NFL and NBA and stuff. Uh, so you did definitely check him out as well. If you're, um, if you're looking for updates on that stuff. Yeah, no, definitely. I won't lie to you. I'm actually looking for something, like I say, every week to watch, but I'm actually rewatching Power again on Netflix at the moment. And I'm after missing so much. I, I'm after learning so much more that I missed the previous two times I watched it. So, um, yeah, yeah I definitely check that out. Uh, do you have anything else, Robbie? Um, uh, no, that's my picture this week. Cool. Um, yeah, my picks this week, I, like I was saying, I was watching Power and I'm after mentioning it so many times, I think twice already on the podcast as a pick. So I'm not going to mention that. I popped something up in our group there the other day and I found it interesting and it may kick off a bit of a battle between uh, Konami and EA Sports. I hope I pronounce that right. Um, that Pro Evolution Soccer is being changed. The name's been changed to Football and it's going to be free forever. Um, now, watching the trailer of it, Robbie, it looks pretty decent enough. It has Messi, uh, PK and Iniesta involved in the development of it. And they showed a bit of, do you know, the, I can't think of the proper term. Do you know they put kind of sensors on the players to get their movements off? It? I won't say AI, but it's kind of getting their movements off for AI, if that makes sense, that the 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 skills they do, the way they kick, the way they move and all of that. And it actually looks pretty good. So I'm wondering, could it actually knock sales off for FIFA 2022? That, uh, um, sorry, eFootball could be maybe the trendsetter this year. That's a bit yeah, cool. definitely. Um, I think, you know, I think, I don't know if you played uh, Pro Evolution Soccer when it was out. In it, when it, in its pump when it was really good when they didn't have the rights to the names of the teams and stuff like yeah. that or <laughs> Merseyside <laughs> and um, of Merseyside Red and Merseyside Blue and Manchester yeah. Blue and all these sort of things um, yeah they didn't have the rights to the names of the players and so that and it was it was a really good game for a while um, and what was really annoying was that the opposite it was the opposite button for shoot in FIFA than Pro Evolution yeah. Soccer <laughs> and like if you were just after getting into one and then he switched over to the other and he'd be true on goal and he'd like you'd be trying cross it instead of um trying to shoot for the goal or whatever, which is funny. Um yeah, but it's kinda of interesting that they're doing it uh for free. So you imagine that the the people who are playing it um will they'll be kind of sold ads. I imagine that's how they're gonna get the revenue from it. But um you know, I think to a certain degree the sports game has kind of run its course in a, in a way like like FIFA you know FIFA nineteen FIFA twenty FIFA twenty one they're the same game you know yeah uh, so they'd be I, better off doing like an online thing that they just update every year rather than you know trying to sell a new game so I think it definitely could you know be something that FIFA and you know Madden and uh, all these other uh, sports game could bring in like just to update the current game rather than to have people buying new games. You know, because like realistically, they're at a point where the differences in graphics and gameplay are so minor that people aren't really that 
as that kind of wowed by a new a new FIFA or a new Pro Evolution Soccer or a new Madden, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I oh know definitely, and I mean, if you say, I mean, EA Sports is, I mean, is a brilliant developer. I won't lie, and I use enjoy Pro Evolution Soccer, and I think the last game I got it was 08. I won't lie to you, I kind of went to FIFA then, but I enjoyed the 08 one and all PS2. But I'd agree completely. Like, if you look at, say, the work and the development that have to go into the likes of, say, Grand Theft Auto or something like that, where it's a completely blank canvas. Now, maybe I'm completely wrong. And if the listeners want to contradict me on it, I, I'd gladly be contradicted. But they kind of nearly have the same blank te- template there every year for the soccer, maybe with a few changes. And... Um, yeah, I think over the past couple of years, they're after changing things and they're, well, in my view, they're not as great as previous games, I won't lie to you. Um, but that one, I, I was just going to say, you could not get a greater kick in the balls than the control settings after changing or the control settings be opposite when you're one and one with the keeper and you lock yeah. it into their hand like... Um, especially if you're 2-1 down or you're going for a winner or something like that. But actually, before I get dragged down more, did you hear Netflix are going to release a gaming platform, Robbie? Yeah, I heard that. Um, I'm kind of wondering how it's going to work, though. Um, Like, would you need to buy a controller to go with it? Because I I know, like, for, for me, I play... Netflix on the Xbox, um, so we have a controller already. But you imagine if someone is just kind of signing up to Netflix, that they'll need a, a controller as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, no, I I was actually thinking the same. I, I, the only way I could think is exactly what you were saying: have a controller, or if they're able to integrate it, that you download, say, the Netflix app or something, and they have it as a store, but. Um, be interesting to see now it really will and if you look at it maybe the price might increase a bit but the like the, you have an opportunity to play a multitude of games compared to paying what's games now 80 to 100 euro or that um so it'd be interesting to see um yeah my other two picks is just two music songs i was listening to all week and stuck in my head um I think this possibly could be one of Ed Sheeran's best songs since, say, Castle on the Hill or The Galway Girl, uh, Bad Habits. I actually think it's a brilliant sound to it. So I'm listening to that on, uh, I won't say Spotify, I listen to most of my music on YouTube now. And that, and one with Becky Hill and David Guetta, remember, um, I think, I heard someone saying it featured on Love Ireland or something that it's after becoming popular. But uh, yeah, there are two tracks on my playlist this week that I'm uh, playing nonstop. So um, they'd be worth checking out. Uh, we move on, Robbie, if you have nothing else uh, to the lines. And I didn't expect the result yesterday. I won't lie. British and Irish lines defeated South Africa 22-17. And it wasn't looking good in the first half. They were 12-3 down. Yeah. Um, and not that like South Africa were playing great rugby in the first half. They just got in positions and took their penalties and popped them over. Uh, and Andre Pollard was uh, in the first half. He was lethal with the boot. Um 
And then was there one that uh, bigger went for, and I think he missed, um, or there was one actually where there was, a, I think they changed the the spot of the penalty because there was an earlier incident which made it into a harder uh, kicking position. Yeah, I didn't think the Lions played that poorly in the first half. I just thought that South Africa were smarter and took their opportunities at a better time. And you could see even at halftime that this, a lot of the South African guys were kind of out on their feet. They were, you know, puffing and wheezing and whatever about match fitness or whatever. They were definitely, um, they were definitely gassed coming towards the end of the first half. And then, you know, they just, in the, in the second half, they started getting pained for penalty after penalty after penalty. And, uh, you know, I know the Lions got the score after halftime, uh, the try. And then, they got a couple of decisions went their way with the TMO, um, even though South Africa did get one try. Um, but South Africa kept giving away penalties, which kept giving away ground, and Bigger stepped up and uh, you know kicked them, kicked them in front, and then Owen Farrell got the kick at the end there to just put it to like a where South Africa had to score a try. Um, yeah, overall, I think South Africa did tire. Definitely in the second half, and their discipline, you know, left them. The thing is, they're a great team when you when they get out in front to, to usually finish a game. But you have to think that, or even like they're going to have to go out and chase the series now. Uh, so, are they going to go to a strategy of throwing the ball out wide and um, getting Khaleesi into the game? Uh, but that kind of brings its own risks as well. So it'd be interesting to see how South Africa play tactically in the next game are they going to stick to their guns or are they going to try and throw the ball around yeah i know i i tend to agree with what you're saying there Um, it actually builds up nicely to the next question i had for you but it's going to be multiple part question actually okay. uh, i'm sorry in advance um, do you think the disruption saved the uncertainty around whether the tour would go ahead now i know it's the same for the lines so maybe that's not a valid one. But I mean, when you have so many players after testing positive for the virus and all of that, could that have leading say to the indiscipline that, as you say, the South Africans were huffing and puffing. So their uh, fitness levels may not be the level that you would expect it to be, say, in circumstances beyond the pandemic. And the second one, would this be a massive victory for the Lions if they did say they only need to win the next game and they're after winning the series? Would it be as massive, say, as it was in previous years because of all the disruption and maybe this South African team may not be as steady as they would have been, say, in the World Cup our previous years? Yeah, well, like South Africa haven't had many games since the World Cup um, and a lot of the Lions players... You know, they have had games with their clubs and, you know, Six Nations and Autumn Series and stuff like that. So, and like the Lions have played a good few uh, games. So they have lots of minutes in their legs as well. Another factor with the tiredness as well is that when the Lions want to change players, they have players of an equal standard to yeah. come in. You know, the way, whereas, you know, in a nation like South Africa, they don't probably have the strength in that. Like probably you could argue New Zealand in a test series versus the Lions would have the strength and depth to compete for, you know, the three full test series, you know, yeah. um, 
and get great impact from their bench. Um, but you'd have to think that the Lions just are in a stronger position with their bench. Be like Owen Farrell coming off the bench, Connor Murray coming off the bench, <laughs> like like world class players that are probably get into most teams, you know. So that's the level you're you're at when you play the Lions. And realistically, I think the Lions should win every game, bar when they play New Zealand or something like that, you know. So. Yeah, I think that that was probably a huge factor and the lack of game time for South Africa. And there's a lot going on in South Africa as well. Um, probably a multitude of factors, but probably the biggest one is the strength of the bench uh, for the Lions, I'd say. Yeah, and just brings me to final question, Robbie. And it was something I was thinking, especially after the result yesterday. Is the Lions a real fair reflection if you think about now this might be controversial but it's just something popped into my head would it be say if you went with scenario the Ryder Cup in the golf now I know it's uh, say Europe against the United States so you're saying an entire continent against one country in a sense but you look at the population and the standard of golfers and the amount of golfers in that would it be a fair reflection if the lines now I know the traditions there and the purists will probably shoot me or uh, burn me at stake for saying it. But would it be better if they ran a scenario that you kind of had the championship against the Six Nations teams? So if you had the Six Nations team coming up against New Z- a combination of New Zealand, South Africa, uh, Argentina and Australia. Would that be a fair reflection then you haven't what what makes up the British and Irish lines four or five countries or I should know four countries are that wait sorry yeah four um would it be a better reflection that way that you kind of take more pride out of it or is it a good test the lines against these high ranked nations yeah I think well you you could argue maybe it's and whatever you say about Warren Gatland, that you know, I think it could be the war the Warren factor there. That you know, previously um in 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 tours before Gatland came in, you know, they didn't win a lot of those tours. They lost um in Australia, in New Zealand, in South Africa. And now you could argue, is it is it just uh Gatland? Gatland is the man for the Lions and he led them to victory in Australia drew with New Zealand, beat New Zealand in New Zealand. And, you know, well, obviously they're only one game into this tour, but it's looking, you know, fairly likely that if they were to win this one. And then if, you know, Gatland was to go off into the sun after this um, and the Lions were to, to go back a step, you know, you could argue maybe is it Gatland that's kind of raising the Lions up to a level where they're just too good. Um like I think he did with that Welsh team for years, he got more out of them than maybe the talent they had. I know they were a talented bunch, but he probably got more out of them than maybe other people could. Like, you know, I just, you know, wondering why they didn't keep him on as Irish manager for, for longer. Yeah, I know. I was going to say I have a question, but it could be a topic, it'd be a question for another day. Um, I was actually going to say, could Ireland have, progress in cricket if they kept Gatlin but I think we leave that for another day because another day, yeah. yeah um but yeah I'd agree with you I won't lie I wouldn't be a massive fan of Gatland um I think some of the comments he made now I don't know the full history of how he parted ways with Ireland or so it could be 
he could be right or whatever but I don't like the comments he made especially in the build up to games it was kind of Daddy Joan tactic and sometimes it can go well in my view a bit shitty in other words it's kind of a bit petty and but um, yeah no what he's after doing with the lines and they don't seem to be that awful unfair biased and seem to be a right mixture of players and they picked even though there are some Irish players was kind of surprised they were picked it was brilliant or there and um, fair play to him uh, we move on Robbie and yeah I have some camogie results um, from the weekend I just bring them up here now in Dollar and Senior Championship today Tipperary had a good win over Limerick 220 to 111 and I think Tipperary could go really go places this year in the intermediate championship today uh, there were win for meat over dublin uh, 119 to 110 and antrim defeated kilkenny 213 to 112 that game took place in dunlai in antrim and it's a really tough place to go um and in the premier junior camogie championship today sunday limerick defeated cavan 311 to 110 um, Kevin are really making great progress in Camogie and uh, by all accounts the scoreline wasn't a real reflection of the Kevin effort there um, and there are all, also a minor championship uh, fixture second place uh, over the weekend as well I won't lie I haven't uh, sorry in uh, fixtures took place yesterday sorry I was trying to my screen froze on me uh, Wexford defeated Offaly 4-10-15 points Cork defeated down 1-13-10 points Down are really going well um, to bring Cork 6 points and only lose by a point to Watford last weekend Watford had a big win over Dublin 2-17-9 points I won't lie that's a big surprise I thought um, I thought Dublin could edge that one uh, Galway defeated Clare by 6 points 2-12-2-6 to six, uh, two, six. And Kilkenny defeated Westmead 217 to 111. And to be fair, the scoreline isn't a fair reflection of the Westmead effort there. Westmead were leading after 50 minutes. A Miriam Walsh goal uh, brought Kilkenny back in and Kilk- uh, Katie Nolan second uh, edge Kilkenny clear in that one. In the intermediate championship, Edward, big win for Galway over Carlo, 419 to 4 points. Uh, Cork over Kildare 114-7 Derry over Leash 119-10 points and Kerry over Tipperary 111-11 points Uh, before you go asleep Robbie with me (laughs) going on with results uh, we move on to a really interesting topic that you put into the group today and um, I have to be upfront and honest to be one I would have been uncomfortable with uh, up to this year I won't lie but um, you're asking, should the government incentivize people to lose weight, in other words, um, help uh, defeat the obesity crisis? Um, there is a survey, sorry, a report during the week that has Ireland's second highest in Europe, just behind Malta for the percentage of people that are obese. And straight up, hands up, I was obese up until this year. Uh, maybe hidden a bit but um, yeah it's an interesting topic and I, I let you take it away Robbie yeah I just um, it was put up by uh, Nick Mitchell on Instagram he's a, a well known uh, UK personal trainer and he owns uh, 
ultimate performance gyms in the UK and Marbella and a few different spots around the world. So he's a very successful man. And he always has interesting takes on stuff. And he, he was kind of not really overly agreeing with it. He was kind of making the point that um, you should just let uh, incentivize gyms to do their work better and to give them maybe some tax breaks. Like a lot of uh, companies have been given tax breaks uh, over COVID and stuff like that. So like, I suppose um, he's, he's just calling for tax breaks for the fitness industry for a while to get them back up and going. Um, but in, in fairness, I think it would be a good thing if um, if people were incentivized to be healthier because you know, because like a, the obesity crisis is a crisis, you know, and like we are gaining weight uh, massively, and as as well as you're saying, like second highest in Europe, and you know, Europe would be doing that well overall uh, compared to other continents as well, um, and like the risk with kind of COVID is magnified as well with uh, people who are overweight as well. So that would be another, and like I think the net spend if you were to invest more in healthy nutrition and education and fitness plans for people um, that you'd be cutting down the, the health bill with the nation, um, which would be good to be helping people to live longer lives, healthier lives, um, and not kind of, you know, situation where they're, they're dealing with altogether associated risks of uh, obesity and stuff like that. So um, what do you think about it? Do you think it's a good idea yourself? Yeah, I, I'm kind of on the fence of it. I, I won't lie. I was saying I, I have an interest in it that it would have been an uncomfortable. I won't lie. If it came on the television, I would have switched off because I knew I had a difficulty myself. But to be fair, great credit to Liam. Uh, Liam started up a program and watching your videos on Instagram over lockdown as well. I, I find it really helpful. And I think it was just, and I, I don't want to turn this on me and I'm going to cut it off the minute I say it. I think it's a personal decision people have to take. They really do. And it's just a matter of getting up and going. And I'm going to leave it at that um, because I don't want to personalize it. Um, I think if the government kind of incentivize, as you mentioned, not only gyms, but the, if they incentivize membership to gyms that people can say oh i i can't join a gym because of the say the financial impact or something now gyms offer great payment plans or payment structures and all all of that and there's also pay as you go and everything like that um but i think there's a bigger issue robbie i think it's just convenience is too easy i mean I, I went from a situation and I know where I gained weight myself. I was working long hours, training teams, and you just took the easy option. You just popped into a takeaway or something too often, even though you wouldn't eat that awful amount. You were just eating wrong. And maybe it's a situation that it was just convenience and uh, rapid availability of kind of convenience and takeaway foods that are high in fat, high in sugar, everything like that. And maybe it should start in schools, Robbie, that I think it, maybe there's a generation now, I won't say it's too late to tackle, it's never too late. But maybe if you start educating younger people, and I know schools are doing it, but maybe incentivize it a bit more. I don't agree with the 
the suggestions that some people are making about weighing kids in school uh, i can see the mirth behind it i think education would be greater or if you look at what marcus rashford soon i know it's a completely different situation and um, it was the school meals that marcus rashford um kind of guilted the conservative government into in great britain maybe it's a situation that along with education in schools the government kind of provide lunches now i know it'd be expensive and people would say how would you pay for it but you could make savings in the long run if the government kind of made healthy food available in schools and um i don't know i don't know there's so many different areas i was listening to a debate during the week where they were saying it shouldn't be a t solely teachers that should be doing the education it actually should be parents doing education at home as well but it kind of opens up so many doors and maybe opens up a lot of controversial areas as well, Robbie. Yeah, well, I don't think you should be maybe, you know, obviously teachers will play a certain part, but they have a, a role as educators. Um, but maybe even yeah. bringing in other people whose job it is to go to schools, you know, go around to schools. Definitely. Even like you could say with uh, sports as well, that um, I know it's, it is changing a bit as well, but typically um, a lot of young girls and young women go out of sport quite early in life um, because there's such a heavy emphasis on playing field sports whereas you know a lot of people lose their fitness and they gain a lot of weight and then they, they never lose it you know so I think we should be um, focusing you know on different sports and different um, different methods of activity as well because you know making you know exercise fun and different and not everyone wants to go around chasing a football or or a slitter um that's not their idea of fun you know but you shouldn't we should be trying to make you know different options available to keep people in sport and bring people back into sport and you know maybe specific people going around education about nutrition and even to parents you know healthy you know campaigns you know from on the radio and that sort of stuff and you know just kind of starting to plant these seeds now and hopefully they'll you know lead to people living healthier happier lives and uh less cost on the, the government as well you know yeah i know i i'd agree completely with you um maybe the next question and final question i'd ask on it maybe i know people that look at it as controversial because they say it was a public health book um situation that had to be dealt with but could we look back in years to come with the the closure of gyms and the stopping of um, underage sports. Could we look back in years to come and regret it, um, kind of putting them off as much as we did, that we maybe let a bad situation develop more because the health consequences further down the line could... I won't kind of try and put it on parity, but the expense from it could be greater down the line because of, say, the closure of gyms and the stopping of children's sports. Yeah, definitely. I think there's probably some young people that, you know, stop playing during the COVID lockdown and will never play again. Um, you know, so there's definitely people that will have effect, affected more. Um, you know, but then other people have, like with the lockdown scenario, maybe evaluate their life and or have gone on to be fitter and healthier than they would have been after getting, you know, the months in lockdown where they could just concentrate on themselves. So it does swing kind of both ways. Um you know, so I think, you know, is it a net positive? Is it a, is it a negative? We we don't really know, but um, 
yeah, I think, you know, it's a valid point, but definitely we, we need to, we have a big problem anyway, you know, in a way, so we need to start addressing it and um, getting people eating healthier and, and exercising more full stop. Yeah, I know, definitely. And very valid points there. And the one thing I'm after learning and hopefully it's a one time thing I ever have to do and I'm going to try my best to do it. But they are people there that all you have to do is message or pick up the phone to. And there's great advice there at the end of it. Um, so it's I mean, it's something it's never too late to do. But um, yeah, I think legislators government have to take the lead on it and um yeah i mean there's so many different areas that the government could incentivize it um but yeah i think they have to do something i won't lie um but we move on robbie and it's another topic that just stuck up into the group today and i won't lie i had to google it and i found it was a really interesting topic and that's on simone Biles in the Olympics and they seem to be a bit of would it be unfair to say controversy that um she may be unfairly treated for her abilities yeah basically for anyone who doesn't know it's uh, Simone Biles she's um a gymnast in the uh, for the USA Olympic team and she's you know, widely considered to be the best uh, of all time in terms of gymnastics um definitely in the modern era and um, supreme athlete, she's possibly one of the best athletes on the planet, and that's that's no uh, that's no exaggeration. Um, but basically, she's able to do tricks that other other female gymnastics uh, gymnasts, sorry, are would find it really hard to do, and possibly putting themselves in danger to do um, because of quite risky uh, tricks. She, she performed one trick that no woman has ever attempted in a competition before. Um, and a serious risk if it goes wrong. Um, so basically, the Olympic uh, Committee are trying to de-incentivize her from doing these tricks by the kind of the scoring system. If you get, if you get me, so yeah, she she will say she's going to do a certain routine, and then she gets graded on that. Uh, so even if her t- her routine is ten times more difficult than the next competitor, she will be kind of judged, you know, on a more of a level playing field, even though she is so far ahead so i think my main point is like should we be you know trying to limit people from being the best they can or should we just we should be trying to set the barriers of human the human uh, performance and condition and let her go out there and perform at you know really top level like you know and i don't want to make it a gender debate or anything like that but you wouldn't see it happening in the 100 meters or to Usain Bolt or to Michael Phelps or to you know Messi or Ronaldo, they wouldn't be trying to bring in special rules to to limit these athletes. So why are they doing it for for her? You know. Yeah, no, it's a a very valid point, Robbie. I mean, there's two kind of way I look at it. There are two sides to look at it. I mean, sports, no matter what, even though the likes of gymnastics and athletics and that can kind of be individualized unless it's say a relay in athletics or that um i mean you should be able to let people express the talents and the abilities they have um the other side to be looking at it is if you have one person that has an ability to do something and they're pushing the bar higher are they kind of a moral um what would you say a moral risk there for the committee to say 
yes, we have uh, an athlete with the ability that Simone Biles has. But are we putting pressure on other people to maybe put their life or careers at risk to try and replicate or go further? Um, but I think the the points you make, the likes of Usain Bolt, um, Messi, I mean, if we take it in, even in the local context, the 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 GA hurling, Aaron Galland, TJ Reid, the likes of Henry Shefflin, and all of that you had. Um, I mean, I I won't even try it, the likes of Dean Rock of Dublin. I was not going to single out Dublin players because I mean the standards there after sentence, Stephen Clucks and all of that. If you start limiting the ability to try and equal the playing field, it kind of can take away the the excitement that spectators have looking in and um i don't know unless another aspect is are they scared that young kids will try and replicate it either and there's a moral kind of standard has to be set there as well it's a real difficult run robbie but i don't think anyone should be impacted in saying all of that for outstanding talents that they'd have yeah i think like i said the point about uh you know putting you know people trying it and putting themselves in danger um you know but i suppose for certain athletes they have to make that assessment themselves is it worth the risk yeah. um so that comes down to their you know and i think like for for kids maybe with proper coaching they're going to be advised not to do this stuff you know unless they're kind of have trained to a certain level not less they're able to tick certain other boxes um but yeah, I think, you know, the Olympics is about, you know, world beaters and record setters and people setting the bar higher and then everyone else having to rise up to it. So, you know, I think that they should be giving her a level playing field and, you know, letting her shine and do as well as uh, she can, you know. Yeah, I know. I'd agree. Uh, I know. I was just trying to play devil's advocate there, looking at yeah. kind of trying to see it from their eyes. Personally, I think if someone has an ability, they should be allowed to express it. I mean, um, if you take, say, a boxer going into a ring, I mean, there are risks there. No matter what, there are gloves and all of that, but still there's a risk. You punch someone the wrong way, they are a health risk there. You have someone, yeah. say, doing water sports or whatever, they are a risk. So they are risks in things and... um. It maybe it'd be a situation where they have to be a different level of coaching or something like that. Um, no matter what, you are going to have people trying to replicate. You see, growing up, say if you saw a skill in a hurling football or a soccer match or something, you go out with your friends and you try and replicate it. It's so. I mean, they are, but um, I know I'm contradicting some of the points that I was making, but I was trying to look at it from both sides. But personally, I I think she, by what you're saying, and I was completely new to it tonight, I think it's complete unfair treatment, honestly. And um, But who am I to say? <laughs> yeah, I suppose we're like... We're not experts on gymnastics anyway, so <laughs> I probably couldn't even do a tumble, to be honest. Well, I often done a tumble, but it was after a few bottles now. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but yeah, no, it's a real interesting um, topic, Robbie, fair play. And it's something that we will follow along and see what outcome it be. Um, because yes. I say there will be some sort of um, solution within the next day or two. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. And the first thing I'm going to do is actually look up some of the, the skills that she has on YouTube just to see because... It's, yeah, she's um, unreal. Like she's, you know, we just watch it and you're just blown away. Like, you know. Yeah, but uh, we move on, Robbie, to the World Sports Roundup, and I let you take the lead. Yeah, so I know the Olympics is kind of going on um, at the minute. I'm kind of finding it hard to make time to watch it because it's on, you know, at a, at a kind of crazy crazy hour and stuff like that. Um, but I know that the Sevens rugby is kicking off 3M Irish time. They're playing South Africa, and then they're playing half 10 tomorrow. They're playing... Uh, on Monday they're playing the USA team, so that'd be a good match. And then playing Kenya on Tuesday, so hopefully they do they do well in their first Olympic tournament. Other than that, um, the kind of NFL preseason is getting going, so that NFL machine is uh, kicking off after the Milwaukee Bucks won the NBA. So it's kind of switching gears now, where it's all talk about the NFL again. And the big question for the entire off season was. Um, what would Aaron Rodgers do? Would he come back to Green Bay? Will he play quarterback? And <laughs> it's dominated the last week of um, talk sports in the US. Is he coming back? Uh, someone came in to clean his house in Green Bay. So they're like, is this a sign he's coming back? Is this a sign he's going to sell his house? Uh, <laughs> so that's the, that's the level they're, they're reading into the, every move that gets made. And on Instagram, he was seen training with uh, David Bakhtiari, who's another Green Bay Packer. Um, so then people are thinking, hmm, is he coming back? So I think the first day of training camp is someday next week or in a week or something. So if he doesn't turn up, then it's going to start costing him money. Um, so it'll be kind of interesting to see how it plays out. A lot of people are saying he's going to retire. He's not going to go back and play. He's just... He, he basically feels he was wronged by the Packers, um, but the way he was kind of treated, and that he's just not going. He doesn't want to play for them again. He'd rather quit than than play for them again. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And it's just all the the tales of the quarterbacks, really. And Ben Roethlisberger, he's a Pittsburgh Steeler quarterback. Um, he's he's a big guy. Um, his nickname is Big Ben, and he's always kind of quite out of shape, and he's. He's got a real kind of dad bot going on. Not that like, not that like, all the quarterbacks are ripped and shredded around. But he's a big guy, and he's he's after slimming down over the off season. So people think, all right, he's coming back and he means business, and this is going to be his last season. So that'd be interesting to see because he was the kind of guy he would be more the guy who would be drinking beers in the off season than doing any sort of conditioning work or strength work or anything like that. So yeah, so that's kind of interesting to watch as well. So, but yeah, the, the NFL uh, talk will be kind of ramping up over the next few weeks. Yeah, I know. Definitely. And definitely check that out. Um, Just one I thing actually before oh, I move sorry, on yes. is that the uh, team USA basketball team in the Olympics, they lost to France. Uh, I think it was today or, overnight or whatever and it's the first time they've lost a basketball game in the olympics since 2004 so 
they lost a couple of exhibition games uh, a few weeks ago and there's massive pressure on them to just win every game and just blow everybody away. So they've got a few more group games to go. So there's huge pressure on them to, to beat everyone, you know, so them losing it is a massive deal. I hate you, Robbie, because I had that down on my top picks. <laughs> I know I'm only jo- I'm joking, I'm joking. Yeah, no, I, I was actually watching the highlights of it today and yeah, it was just phenomenal. I mean, you look at how popular the, and how high standard NBA is and for France to do that is just unbelievable. And yeah, I know great credit to the French there. Um, and they, it was such a great game because it really ebbed and flowed. I mean, for such high scoring, there was only ever about what, seven or eight points in it. So for France to edge that out was phenomenal now and you'd like to see him go all the way now but you'd kind of expect a um a, a reaction is that done on a group basis robbie just before i make a, an arse of myself here yeah i'm pretty sure it is i think they play like it's like a group of four so okay yeah and the thing is i think they're playing nigeria next to beat them in an exhibition game a few weeks ago um and Olympic basketball is five on five instead of regular basketball, which is six on six. And it's a shorter game as well. So it is slightly different uh, to regular NBA play. Um, but like the USA team have you know Kevin Durant, who's widely considered the best player on the planet right now. Um, so like they're expected to win and win every game and win easy. So... It's like, you know, the New Zealand rugby team, if they lose a game, there's massive pressure and, you know, the entire country is wondering what's going on. So these guys will be starting to feel the pressure now, I imagine. Yeah, and definitely. And you can expect the media to kind of pile a bit of pressure as well. But I know fair great credit to the French there in that. Uh, yeah, before you stole one of my top picks, Robbie. <laughs> I know I'm joking. <laughs> um yeah, I, I have to shout give a shout out to the Irish ladies hockey team who defeated South Africa in their first ever game at the Olympics yesterday, 2-0. Uh, Roisin Upton, uh, flick after nine minutes and Dennis Sarah Turans um, just before the end of the third quarter set Ireland up in that game. And they're out, um, I think, Tuesday again. I... I, I was trying to get the fixture there and my broadband's after kind of acting up on me. Uh, thank God this the podcast is recording okay. But um, yeah, I think they're playing... <coughs> they're playing Holland, um, but I'm not sure if that's their second or third game, but um, I know they're definitely playing Holland in that as well this week, but... I can't think of who else they're playing, and I'm really sorry about that. Um, and a shout out to Leona Maguire as well, and the cabin golfer who finished sixth, a joint sixth in the Abundi Evan Championship, and she also set a record for the lowest, um, lowest round in a major, a stunning sixty one uh, today. So that's it. Just I was trying to look it up there. I think that'd be about 11, 10 or eleven under par, be something around that. So that's a phenomenal and um, to set that record. And Leona McGuire's going from strength to strength, 
and uh, she's definitely going to get a major title in the very near future. So great credit to Leona Maguire there. Uh, we move on anyway, Robbie, before I stutter anymore, to the high ball. Oh, the high ball. The high ball. Okay, so the high ball this week, it kind of came into my head because, I was, like I was saying, I was watching Power on Netflix and the question is, if you could be one gangster from a TV or a film, who would it be? So you just completely become this person, and who would it be? Hmm, that's an interesting one. You want to go with Joe one first? Uh, yeah, I might be a bit biased in saying it because I'm watching it at the moment, but I think it would have to be Ghost from Power. Um. Now I like Walter White from Breaking Bad. I I just I think Walter White's style is just amazing as well. That he's kind of sneaky, quite sneaky, and he was just vicious like. Um, but yeah, I think I'd have to go with Ghost. Um, out of um, out of power. Um, it's just the way he set it up. He kind of grew up tough on the streets and then just developed the businessman but he still had the ruthless streak and um, the one aspect of what like is he had no loyalty to his friends or that that'd be the one aspect i wouldn't like but yeah i, I go for uh ghost from power yeah that's a good pick uh, i must check power out actually um yeah so just having a little think about it there while you were uh chatting away there so I think would I have to go for uh, Jimmy Conway in uh, Goodfellas? So he's the Robert De Niro character in Goodfellas. Um, <clears throat> and he's just this kind of real likable character. And, you know, he's going to rob you, but he's going to have a smile on, on his face. And, you know, he'll have a bit of crack with you, a bit of fun. And, um, yeah, he's not, he's not above uh, doing some bad things uh, to people as well. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it was like he always kind of talked about loyalty and don't rat on your friends and kind of just be a good guy be a good fella um yeah so and he's probably one of my favorite characters of all time um and just any of the other characters you know like tony montana i think he's a bit extreme for my personality so although i love uh, tony i don't think <laughs> i don't think i'd be uh good for his style or whatever uh possibly um from the godfather Vigio corleone who's the obviously he's the main godfather um Played by Marilyn Brando, he's just a, such an iconic um, yeah. character. He's a real family. He's a real family guy as well. So yeah, I probably think Jimmy Conway just edge, edges it because uh, I just love the character so much, and he's he's a real life gangster as well. Yeah, I know two brilliant picks there, Robbie. Um, yeah, I I would have gone with you there on on the pick you made. Um, I wouldn't be a huge mafia kind of film guy, even though it might sound funny that I suggested the topic, but I think the likes of the... I don't know. I think kind of the gangster compared to the... Even though they're nearly both the same, but if you say compare power to Goodfellas or um, The Godfather... Very different. They are. They're very different. And um, yeah, they're probably equally as ruthless. But uh, they just maybe it's a generational thing as well because everything everything changes and expands kind of way. But uh, yeah, yeah well, I haven't watched I haven't watched Power, but Goodfellas is one of my all time favorite films. Um, 
and that Jimmy Conway kind of role is, uh, yeah, for me, it just kind of, you know, he's kind of a character that I'd really like to be, you know. Yeah, what what character did Joe Pesky play? I'm trying to think. Joe Pesky was Tommy. Tommy D. Tommy. Yeah. yeah I, if, if I had a third one, I'd probably go for Joe Pesky. I just think he's a sneaky, ruthless little bastard. Like it's, uh, yeah, what, uh, do you, what do you mean I'm being funny? What do you mean I'm funny? <laughs> It's just and but then you think about and I know I'm gone completely off topic here. Then you think about he was one of the main characters in Home Alone, like I mean, yeah. just to go or even my, my cousin Vinny, my cousin Vinny as well, which is one yeah. of Yeah. Um and yeah, no, it just shows the the great actor he was. Um actually I found that Ireland are playing Netherlands at two AM on Monday morning. Um so by the time you're listening to this the game will be over. Um so even though they played already in the European Championships, Netherlands had a good win. Hopefully um Ireland can get a good result in that game. So that's two AM on Monday morning. So it'll be over uh by the time this will be published and just prove everything that goes out on the podcast is recorded live. Um yeah. <laughs> And um, we don't put out anything that we don't want to be heard anyway. So that's no, the main thing. No. <laughs> it was a pleasure, Robbie. Thanks a million. Really enjoyed that. And if you want to contact us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. And we'd love to hear from you. And a great credit to Robbie for all the work he's uh, doing there. And the constant information and um memes and gifts going up during the week as well as well as educational stuff as well so until next week robbie thanks a million and take care thanks very much dude thanks man good chat and hopefully you might be able to enjoy the last bit of sun we'd have before uh, the good old rain comes back anyway rain comes back yeah i sure it's off <laughs> the ground anyway <laughs> uh, sure we always it was actually sorry not to delay anymore I think it was the first week ever that people weren't saying I want rain I never yeah. heard one person saying they wanted rain back so um, but anyway it was a pleasure Robbie and I talk to you next week thanks a million yeah, good, good chat son good, good luck good luck